Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. Uh, not only will this year's Super Bowl feature two black quarterbacks for the first time in NFL history, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal feat, uh, but Mahomes versus Hurts, that matchup will also combine to form the youngest quarterback duo to ever face off in the Super Bowl. We've talked about it for years of like age. How long are you going to keep hiring these old dogs trying to make them do new tricks? Go get a new dog that has a new trick and say, hey, come be my guy. Happy Black History Month and welcome to episode number 200 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Gabe Henderson and uh, we got a big group inside the TCO radio studio here with me and Egan. Uh, we got Vikings.com's Tatum Everett. Uh, Jay Nelson is now on the turntables replacing Eric Davis. And now uh, my guy Ron Johnson from Vikings Game Day Live and Fox 9 is here and it is officially Pro Bowl week. Uh, the Vikings have seven Pro Bowlers making the trip out west to Las Vegas to participate in the reimagined 2023 Pro Bowl games. And uh, before we get there, this past week for football fans has been quite exciting to say the least. Uh, with, I'm, I'm just going to start off with this, Ron. AFC-NFC championship game. Uh, going into that game, in my opinion, it's arguably the, the most exciting time of the year because, you know, two of these four teams are going to make it to the Super Bowl. And uh, to, to sum up last week's games... I would um, probably sum it up using your first and last tweets from Sunday. Uh, your first tweet said, the 49ers have the worst <laughs> luck ever. That was your first tweet on Sunday, talking Did about I? the Eagles versus 49ers game. <laughs> and then your last tweet on Sunday was hashtag Cancun on three. <laughs> Please describe. <laughs> um, I mean, when you think about the 49ers, that offense is high powered. Uh, you think about George Kittle. You think about, um, you know, the Debo Samuels bit, the the Christian McCaffrey. And so if I'm the Vikings and I'm watching that offense, I'm like, how do they continue to get these guys all involved? Because you can replace Christian McCaffrey for Dalvin Cook. You can replace Debo Samuel for Justin Jefferson, and Justin Jefferson is actually better. Um, you can replace George Kittle with TJ Hawkinson, and then – Kirk Cousins is better than Brock Purdy. So why can't you get that all the time? Well, you have to watch how they do it. I mean, you look at Trent Williams. He's not Christian Darisol, but Christian Darisol is a baby Trent Williams when you look at body type. Um, so when I said that, it was just like looking at their offense and how they move. One quarterback is hurt. Another quarterback is hurt. Now Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, comes in, takes the world by storm. Everybody wants him to be the guy. He gets hurt on, like, the first drive. Hassan Reddick, great play. Yeah. Um, football play. Football play, you know, but, you know, one of those, like, you know, baseball elbow things that he's out six months now. And then you bring in, uh, what's his name, Josh Johnson. Johnson, yeah. And then, you know, he gets a concussion. So it's like, wait a minute. Like, where's Jamie Foxx at? Because you, <laughs> you need Jamie Foxx or somebody to come in and play quarterback. Really I mean, it, right. And so – then, then you have to bring a quarterback back in that literally can only throw the ball about four or five yards. So it just, in my opinion, I'm like that's that's the worst luck ever because you wanted a better game. Um, of course, I picked the Eagles in my parlay, so I was glad for that. <laughs> but 
I was more so of like, ah, oh, yeah, that that sucks the way you look. You know, like the Eagles literally got away with, with murder. Like, it's mm. like, how do I get away with murder? Let's hurt all their quarterbacks and then let us just walk into the Super Bowl and it worked. To me, the irony was the fact that Shanahan is known as the quarterback guru coach. And the yeah. one thing he didn't have on that team for that game was a quarterback that could actually play. And it was kind of weird to me. You know, uh, I was thinking back if there was anything that, that seemed comparable and it was, Ponder getting hurt going into the Green Bay playoff game and Joe Webb had to come in. Oh, and yeah. you, and yep. you just realized in that moment, like, he can't throw, you know, pregame and everything. And, and Joe goes in, you're like, we still got a chance. We'll see what happens. We got enough weapons around us. And you just realize you can't get over the hump on that because of the level of defense that Philly was was bringing on the field. So to me, um, just kind of the, the way that it all felt, like you said, just completely lined up for Philly in that game. You, you realized very quickly – that uh, once they were down 14 rip, that oh, it was going to be uh, game over after that. Well, they score seven points, though. Yeah. They had start. Chris, yeah. It was the run game, though. Yeah. It was a yes. turnover, so turnover, and then the run game. And so when you think about them getting favorable field position and being able to just run the ball, the problem is eventually the Eagles realize, they're like, oh, wait, they're just going to run the ball. Let's stack the stack box. The box yeah. And once they stack the box, Christian McCaffrey had no space. I honestly thought Debo Samuel was going to go to quarterback because – I would rather have him because he can run and pass and just run some type of RPO. But again, that quick, no practice time, like, you know, knowing the count, knowing how to call the play, knowing what you're reading. You know, the art, like Jalen Hurts, it took him, what, two years to get to where he is now? So it's not easy to do. And uh, then the Cancun on three, honestly, it was <laughs> it, it was it was more so because Eli Apple like yes. got on my nerves. And so it's it's like the double duty of like who who do you hate more? Like do you really dislike Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes that much? Or do you dislike Eli Apple? And it was like the the lesser of two evils. <laughs> like I'll I'll take the Mahomes is because the daddy is an OG. Like he was a Minnesota twin. You know, Mahomes grew up here, like which he should have been a gopher. He should have been a Viking. <laughs> but hey, that's a different story. Uh but he grew up here with the twins and so you know, when you watch that, you're like, oh, Jackson Mahomes is going to be twerking at the Super Bowl. Like, I don't really want to deal with this TikTok all week. Or <laughs> do I want to hear Eli Apple's mouth all week, you know, talking crap now to the to the Chiefs? Like, right. oh, go ice up your ankle, son. You'll be fine. And it's like, yeah, Eli, this is on you. And and so the refs, yeah, you could say whatever you want to say. Uh, after watching it four or five times, I don't really think that was pass interference or uh, roughing the passer or I was going to say roughness because Mahomes does step on the green one last time before he gets pushed. But again, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's a big moment. He does flop. Watch his arms. He like throws his arms up. And nobody really falls like that. Like it was the violence of it. Uh, so that's where the Cancun 03 just because. And then of course, uh, Brittany Mahomes does it because of Eli Apple too, and blah blah. And yeah, it was. It was just yeah. It was one of those where I was just hoping because uh, even my Travis Kelsey parlay hit or, or almost hit. He he's caught, he caught the first touchdown of either team. I just needed one more, but of course, MVS uh, Scantling got it. And can't you just mute them? Uh, the, the Mahomes? Mahomes? Can't yeah, you just, like, I do. Put them I do. I don't follow either of them. Uh, I do follow Patrick Mahomes because I like him. Uh, you know, it's she... hard to unfollow because it's like other people yeah. post it and hate on. Like Barstool, Barstool posted yeah, his, I saw the, his TikTok that... and said, uh, "Can the Chiefs, Joe Burrow, like it's something like only one man can protect America from from uh, Jackson Mahomes and Brittany, and it's Joe Burrow." There's a <laughs> oh, video of Joe wow. Burrow like coming out the tunnel, putting his helmet on. Like he's Iron Man or something. It's a cool video, but then you just watch the TikTok. It's like, dude, calm down. Like, you haven't won anything. You didn't do anything. Your brother, like, he went to a Waffle House and lost his mind. He went to another restaurant and acted a fool and post, you know, tried to pass a, post a bad review. And long, you know, long story short, it was his fault. He threw champagne on fans. Like, what are you doing? Like, you didn't do anything. Like, calm down. Like, if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm literally going to my brother, like, bruh. 
you killing me right now. Like, you got to chill out. <laughs> well, they post a lot of photos of him, I feel like, without his permission. Not that I know Patrick Mahomes, but oh, I always like, see have things all over the social oh, media. Yeah. I saw him on the party bus afterwards, and I was like, that's not a good look. But, yeah, like, no. what are you going to do? His brother's like, an idiot, and TikTok pays him, <laughs> and so he's going to continue to be an idiot. And he has no behind the scene access, right? Yep. And that's all it is. That's literally, hey, can you take a picture of Patrick Mahomes getting in the shower? Got you guys. I got you. Like, oh, it's coming. He's going to do something extra dumb like the next two weeks. I can't wait for two weeks of that. I'm not looking. I'm trying not to look. But Barstools (laughs) is going to post. That's the problem. Barstools will always post the Jackson Mahomes stuff, but then try to hate on them. It's like you're feeding the dragon. Like you're feeding the fire. Ron, welcome to the world of social media. I mean, come on. We all know that's going to happen every single time. Well, for 13 weeks, I was like, I wasn't paying attention because the Vikings were winning games. So it was, you know, I did want to ask you though, because you mentioned like, you know, how can the Vikings do what the San Francisco offense does? Mm -hmm. Because you have the weapons and your quarterback is better than Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I'd argue it's because their defense consistently puts them in very good positions. True. They don't they're not playing from behind. They're not on their heels. They're in good spots as far True. as the field position game. So, I mean, for me, that's I think what makes it a little bit easier for that Niners offense. True. You're you're 100% right on that. I mean, are you trying to say the Vikings defense wasn't always like the 49ers? No, you're right. No, I you're mean, I just right. think right. they put them in good spots. No, you're at right. Times, no, so the, de- the this is what I'll say about the Vikings defense. I call it the square peg round hole phenomenon. When you take a square peg and try to stick it to a round hole, it's going to work every once in a while. Because there's kids that can figure it out and Jimmy Spend remember it. being a kid and yeah. doing that. Eventually, a square Jimmy. peg can go. You'll either wear down the sides enough. Um, good this is not on video because that's a terrible motion to make. But, you know, eventually you'll wear down. I don't know how to do it. But, you know, you shove a – like, I'm not doing it. But <laughs> It's too late. It's too late. But eventually the sides will go down. And so we think about Daniil Hunter being a defensive end, trying to play in a 3-4. Uh, I just had Tommy Harris on my show, and he bought that up. Like, you know, he was uh, – I forgot his size, but he was saying, like, he was 2-something and then got to 275. And then eventually he became a detackled Oklahoma and one of the best, you know, first-round draft pick to the Bears. I had Aiken and Dale from Purdue play for the Jaguars. He was another tweener backer that was like, oh, I'm a DN in college at 255, but am I really a DN in the pros? And so the Jags – uh, bought him in because of his hybrid ability. He can play 3 4 4 3, where that's not Daniil. That's Zadarius, but that's not Daniil. So I would have rather saw a 4 3, where Zadarius is put in a bind as a DN, but then can drop every once in a while, passing down. You can move guys around because I think he fits better in a 4 3 than Daniil fits in a 3 4. And that's where, like, setting the edge, uh, getting pressure when you need it, all that little stuff is what you're saying the 49ers do. You look at Bosa, Bosa never drops back. Bosa is Daniil Hunter. Like he can stand up, but leave it, leave, leave the gap integrity set with four down linemen and the 40. I mean, and that's the thing. And so I think over the next couple of weeks, that's what Kevin O'Connell's literally going to realize and say, how can I get the best out of Daniel if we're going to keep him? It's come, putting his hand in the ground, coming up the quarterback, standing up every once in a while, fine. But watch Joey Bosa. Like that's, that's what Daniel Hunter should be. Move him around too. Like just, Bosa was never on the same side. But you're right, the 49ers had a great defense. I mean, all the teams, I I had it. Like, you look at the Eagles, Chiefs, Bengals, and the 49ers. All of their defenses at some point have a first or top five grade. Other than the Chiefs, the Chiefs kind of fell off at the end. But the Eagles, the Bengals, and the 49ers all have, like, that top five, top ten persona in some type of form on their defense. When you look at, like, the 49ers, they were first in yards, giving up 300 yards. 
You know, and that's that's right. Like Brock Purdy's like, oh man, like I just have to do just enough. I got weapons. Let me get the ball to him now, um, and not like Kirk. You got to throw the ball fifty yards because sure. you got to get it to this guy. Well, we're you down thirty three points. Or something, <laughs> Correct. You know? So a lot of over routes, a lot of like quick stuff. Get the ball out of your hands quick. Put the pressure on the defense. You watch all the offenses now, even Brady. Nobody's really doing home runs anymore. It's not, a, and that's where I felt like a lot of times Kirk got put in that like, oh, it's got to be a home run ball. That's not where Let's they're not going to – you got to come up, boom, quick, get the ball out your hands, get on to the next play. Like third and one, you watch the Eagles. Third and one, they're running quarterback sneak. Like yeah. they're just <laughs> – That didn't happen often. Or second and one, they're running quarterback sneak. Like I get the second and one, you can run any play in the book. But if you get sacked, now you're third and seven. And I think that's where sometimes people forget. Let's just go get the first down simple. and get another set. Simple. And that's what the Eagles do. They're simple. Uh, speaking of defense, uh, the Vikings concluded last week interviewing four potential defensive coordinators. Uh, mm-hmm. The Vikings defensive coordinator tracker is on Vikings.com right now if you're looking for where their team is regarding uh, filling that role. Uh, but we've seen a couple of coordinators get hired over the past couple of weeks. Jay, I'm going to start with you. Um, when, when you look at just this defensive coordinator hiring for this Minnesota Vikings team and I guess the lengthy process that it's taken to actually choose a guy What's your stance on why the Vikings are, are doing their due diligence and trying to find who the right person is for the job? For me, I think there's all of the dominoes that started to fall a little bit yesterday. Um, you started to see some different head coaches get hired, some D- DCs uh, and offensive coordinators get hired as well. Um, for me, uh, people have been asking, actually, why haven't we made a decision? Why didn't we make one over the weekend, et cetera, et cetera? I look at it as they're just being patient. Um, I don't think that's a out of the norm type thing, especially if there are potential people either that you're waiting for them to make a decision on another opportunity or even the idea that there were still four top teams that still had some very top tier candidates that were available. So for me, I, I, I haven't hit the panic button yet that yeah. we're not seeing anything. And, and to be honest with you, I think a lot of people's first choice is, is uh, or at least a lot of people publicly are saying their first choice is Brian Flores. Um, and the fact that he still hasn't made a decision means that, you know, he's still in play. Um, there were some photos on social media yeah. at the Senior Bowl that started to get some pub yesterday as well. Um, but because of all of that, you know, I still don't feel like anyone's hitting the panic button. Three of the four candidates are still available. You know, Ryan Nielsen d- did take his position at this point, but yep. you still have uh, Sean, Mike, and Brian available. And so for me, I'm, I, I feel like we're still in a decent spot. We haven't missed out. Now, you start to see, you know, two or three of those th- last three candidates go. People are going to start scratching their heads saying, hey, what's going on? Here, right. but um, as of now, I, I I feel like we're still in a decent spot. Tatum, do you think that the overreaction is warranted for the for that Brian Flores Quasi Adolfo Mensa picture at the Senior Bowl? I mean, it's like TMZ all over again, exactly, right? Yeah. I mean, like the guys know each other. Obviously, they both know that that they're interviewing, and I think they're both taking their time in the process. Yeah, I think it's overhyped one hundred percent. I mean, you got to think like it's a small NFL world. Their paths have probably crossed before. You know, Quasi is going to do his due diligence. I think that both they've all thought they've all proven that they think collaboratively. They mm-hmm. think together. They don't jump and make rash decisions on things. And so, I I expect a decision in the next, you know, obviously couple of weeks. But um, and I, and I'm not sure. And this is total speculation. Like I have no no hearsay, no proof of this. But I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they do do another interview with another candidate just 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 with you know the turnover and um you know like what the Super Bowl teams obviously can't interview until then and we saw that happen last time when they wanted to target Kevin O'Connell so I wouldn't be surprised if it takes a little bit longer yeah and you might see another name 
Yeah, like Steve Wilkes is still out there. Mm-hmm. there yeah. There's other defensive-minded guys that are still out there. Ron, what, what's your stance on it? You know, if you look at, like you said, if you look at, like she said, the uh, Super Bowl teams, you got to look at their not just defensive coordinators, but their smart defensive guys yeah. that people like. Because there's names sometimes that you don't know, and it's not always about the hot hire. Like Kevin O'Connell, when he got the job with the Rams, it wasn't like, oh, he's this hot name. It was just Sean McVay knew him. He's like, hey, I know your resume. I know what you've done. I know who you've worked for. And uh, a lot of times that that goes into that process, too. And so we've talked about it for years of like age. How long are you going to keep hiring these old dogs trying to make them do new tricks? Go get a new dog that has a new trick and say, hey, come be my guy. You know, I think Belichick did a great job of that year in and year out. And we didn't give him credit because he takes, you know, he takes a lot of the, the brunt of everything because he's the offensive coordinator. He's the defensive coordinator. Like he's doing it all a lot of times. Um, and you clearly can see because Patricia is like terrible, um, but it was it was Belichick. And so how do you find a guy out there? And so I, I think Brian Flores is still thinking maybe I can be a head coach too, and that's a tough one. You don't want to hire that guy knowing there's still head coaching interviews he might be up for because we've seen that where I think Josh McDaniels did. You get hired one place and then you jump to the next place literally two weeks later because somebody else offers you a better deal. Um, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have him use the Vikings as a as a like mark like hey well the Vikings offer me this job as coordinator what can you offer me as head yeah, coach like leverage. exactly and so you know and then when because then that shows like hey they actually want me so if you want me you need to pay me and so you don't you know you don't want to end up because then you look really bad if you hire him and then he leaves you and takes a head coaching job a little bit later because now then you're having to go back to your second choice and say. Hey, man, I'm sorry. Uh, do you still want to be our coach? Yeah. Like, you know, like the Broncos. Look at the Broncos. Like, yeah. they went after five different people, offered people jobs. People didn't want it. Um, you know, D'Amico Ryans is like, mm, I got to deal with Russell Wilson every day in Subway. I'm good. Like, <laughs> I can't deal with the Dange Witch every day. That's like, right. I, I'm going to the, I'm going to the Texas. We get it. We get it. We're going to get a, our future get quarterback. Yeah. Like, we're getting our future quarterback. Like, they're going to go get C.J. Stroud or probably, you know, probably that's who they're going to get. So. He's like, hey, man, my defense is legit. Let me go here and try to put this Texans defense back to what it used to be. And then if I can get me a quarterback in here, maybe we can get some weapons. And so and, and maybe Houston becomes a landing spot when you think about taxes and all that stuff. Like a lot of a lot of vets out there looking for homes. D'Amico Ryan's now could be the guy to start landing some of these free agents. But, yeah, I, I'd say there's more names coming down the pike probably, at least one or two. One of the most infamous uh, instances of that happening with the coach was Belichick and the Jets where he's literally there for yep. a day. Writes it on a note, you know, on a cocktail napkin and hands it in and goes to the Patriots and yep. is a nightmare for him for 20 years. So, yeah, it, it's happened before. And I just think teams are trying to be as smart as they can on this. So I just feel like our front office at this point has proven, at least over the last year, that they try to be as calculated as possible in making these decisions. And um, like I said, I, I feel like for me, there's still a lot of opportunity out there. So I'm not panicking. Yeah, I like Pettin, and and I, I mean he was. Not, I mean I'm, I'm a little biased because he was one of our coaches when I was with the Ravens. He was our quality control video guy, and then he became defensive uh, assistant to Rex Ryan. And showing your age, Ryan. so I am old. When you think about Rex, <laughs> yeah, I know Pettin was like a high school coach out of Pennsylvania. I don't know if you guys remember that. He has a social. Uh, it was like a reality show as a high school coach, and then the Ravens hired him. Uh, but yeah, that's how old I am. But when you look at Pettin. Uh, and I asked him this on the sideline before a game, and I'm like, hey, can you still do this stuff? Like, do you still have that capacity with this team? Because I was like, this team, to do some of the stuff you did with the Ravens, when you think about Rex, when he used Bart Scott, Ed Reed, uh, Ray Lewis, Suggs, Ed Hartwell, he'd put all those guys on the field at the same time, like four linebackers and two D linemen. And he's like, 
oh, yeah, man, like you look at Brian Asamoah and you look at like some of the speed backers we have. You look at Cam Dantzler at the t- or Cam Bynum, sorry. At the time, it was Lewis Seen could have come in as well and been one of those chaos, you call it a chaos speed guy. Guys, yeah. yeah, a chaos guy. And so the Ravens called it control chaos. And it was it looked chaotic. But it was it was something to it. And you watch Ed Reed up in the gap and Harrison Smith can do this. And then you take off running to the other hash or you you fake like you're here. You fake like you're going to go and you come back and blitz from a different side. Like and Ed Reed and Peyton Manning. I mean, I don't know if he might seen it on. Uh, they had a little sit down and yep. he talked about that. Like he's like, man, I know if I run this way, Peyton, you're going to think you have it and you're going to throw it. And, and Peyton's like, yeah. And I know if I send this receiver up the seam and I send this receiver on this hitch and go you're going to jump the seam but then you fake jump the seam and then you took off after Reggie and you didn't even see the ball and he's like yeah because I knew you were going to throw it yeah. and that's that's what uh, Rex Ryan had built he built it so that look if you know this just do this let's get these guys to do what you think they're going to do in hot routes and they have the personnel like you have a smart corner and Patrick Peterson I mean we don't know what's going to happen there but Cam Dancer I think can do it we saw uh, Caleb Evans can definitely do it Duke Shelley shown that he can get going um, so I like Mike Patton because you look at all the defense the Jets with, with Bart Scott and how good they were you look at the the Packers they were good and all those teams ran variations of 3-4-4-3 so he can flip it like I said Terrell Suggs came in as a 3-4 backer they moved to a 4-3 with them so he has the tools to do it, and so that's going to be the question: Is uh, does he want it? You yeah. know, even though you interview for a job, sometimes you get in there and you're like, uh, I don't know. I really it's not like really... being that consultant, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. like I don't have any pressure. <laughs> I get paid. I'm sitting up in the booth. Like I'm at cool. practice. I'm yeah. around football. Like who wouldn't want to take a couple hundred thousand dollars to kind of chill out and you know not have the pressure of a defensive coordinator? Even though coordinators make you know over a million dollars, but. It's a lot of pressure with that money. So, and you can get fired if you suck. I was gonna say, yeah, and then you could be gone. So, maybe he likes Minnesota a lot. Maybe. I mean, you see him in the cafeteria. We all see him in the cafeteria a lot, and he's you know smiling, good mood, good energy, and I guess that's the the lack of stress on, on of not being a coordinator. So, yeah, there there is some some challenges with you know having that pressure of that role, but uh, there will be a lot of challenges this week in Las Vegas with the Pro Bowl games. The new reimagined Pro Bowl games, there's 11 different challenges this year, Ron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to name them all, but uh, longest drive, passing, uh, precision passing. There's uh, golfing in, yeah. in the, the Pro Bowl this year. Uh, but before we talk about the obvious news on the AFC side, the NFC, like how do you feel about our seven players that, that have been selected to, to play in the Pro Bowl games this year? Um, I mean, I haven't even looked at all the names. I, the one thing I will say is... Kirk Cousins, Justin yep. Jefferson, Zadarius Smith, TJ Hawkinson, Andrew DePaula, Dalvin Cook, who replaced Tony Pollard, and yep. then Daniil Hunter, who was just recently added, replacing Hassan Reddick, who's playing in the Super Bowl. So all legit pro bowlers. All deserve it. All legit. The one thing that I think is, is, is going to be a hot topic people are going to bring up is <laughs> there's a quarterback that got put into the uh, pro bowl that threw two touchdowns and three interceptions. And so, how do you throw two touchdowns total and three interceptions and you're considered a pro bowler? I think that's what's going to start to screw this thing up. Because I think I'm fine with, like, the top guys getting it. Um, And then because it's not, like, actual a thing, like, you're not playing a game, so you don't need another quarterback per se. Like, if if a quarterback drops out, just have another list of guys. Like, just have the next guy who should be in it, whether it's – uh, DeAndre Hopkins or who like get another name. Don't just say Tyler Huntley. I mean, nothing against Tyler Huntley, but you threw two touchdowns. Why are you? How are you a pro? Because now he'll be able to use. Like he might have a clause in his contract that said if you make the Pro Bowl, you get one hundred fifty thousand dollars this year, which I'm pretty sure as a backup he probably did. Yeah. And they probably said, oh sure, throw a million dollars at that. You're not gonna make the Pro Bowl. And then now the owners of the Ravens are like, what the what? <laughs> 
Like, we got to pay this dude for, like, no, like, you got to get voted in, actually. You can't be a replacement to a replacement <laughs> to a replacement. Like, I think that's where it changes. But, no, I, I think all those guys are very deserving of it. Um, I, I think it's going to be fun. I think the, the, the Clinton Portis, I had him on my show, and he brought up the injuries in football. I think going this route, it is cool to watch on TV. Like, uh, Deion Sanders talked about, they used to have a dunk contest back in his day. So, like, all that stuff is cool. Like, bring a dunk contest back. Bring a three – well, three on three basketball get dangerous with those guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but bring, like, a three-point contest into it. You know, like yeah. like a, 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 a pass, you know, skills, basketball challenge. Like, the, like do some stuff that on TV you're like, oh, man, okay, I didn't know this dude could shoot like yeah. that. You know, and then, oh, like, this dude sucks. Never pick up a basketball again. But I think, I think the game itself was getting so watered down it was actually boring. Agreed. And now I'll tune in. Yeah, I'll tune in for a flag football game. You know, just because and, and, and don't tear your hamstrings up trying to, you know, hit your 4-3. But I think, you know, flag football, dodgeball, uh, golf, it's about longevity. You don't yeah. want to see a guy like Sean Taylor decapitate a punter in, in the Pro Bowl. That was my guy. Um, but, yeah, like the that punter was. punter or Sean Taylor? The, the Sean Taylor was oh, my okay. guy. Rest like, in peace. Because yeah, I was just, like I said, I was talking to, um, when Clinton came on the show, I talked about, like, being, I was with the, the uh the commanders back then, the Washington football team. Uh, I was only there for a couple months, you know, practice squad, or not practice, but uh, preseason and so on and so forth. And we talked about that. We talked about, like, Sean Taylor and how big he was. Like, he was my size, playing safety. Like, 6'3", 220 pounds. That's a you don't see that anymore and can run like a deer. And so you got that guy hitting a punter? Like, that punter's right, like, dude, like, <laughs> it's the Pro Bowl. Right. <laughs> like, why did you hit me like this? And so I think the, the overall NFL, though, like, Guys weren't playing anymore. Guys were just being friends out there. You know, receivers couldn't get hit anymore. Make it fun. Like, make it TV friendly. You know, I think it's going to be great. Like, the long drive, too. Like, I'm guessing it'll be good golfers, but maybe a bad golfer gets in it. That's funny. Yeah. Like, it's good TV. Go Barkley on it. Yeah. Go, if you hit a fan with a golf ball, <laughs> I mean, hopefully Gilmore. the fan doesn't get hurt. But, yeah, hit a fan with a golf ball. Like, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. T- to me, I look at it as, you know, they tried doing that a little bit when they had the uh, rookie game playing on the beach and the guy tears his ACL. You know, for a while, they've been trying to go through and figure out what can we do to have these things be fun? <laughs> right. And sand. people are still getting hurt. But but to me, like it's almost like ABC Wide World of Sports for us that are old enough to remember that, where they're just oh, yeah. random athletes on a Saturday on ABC running a, a steeplechase type thing oh, yeah. and, and doing whatever. Um, even the other day, they showed, you know, ironically now, Tom Brady throwing. Um, there was like the moving targets. Yep, him and Peyton Things Manning. like that. Yeah. That's the stuff that I think people, especially – Social media age, that kind of stuff is oh, perfect yeah. for social media. So yeah. things like the uh, kick deck dough and the uh, dodgeball and that kind of stuff, those yeah. are the pieces I think that will end up being great social media I feed just for hope, that kind of I stuff. I hope Kirk practices because last time he yeah. did the throwing thing, social media lit him up because those first three throws weren't even close to targets. I'm like, oh, of course. You know, but yeah, I think I think it's gonna be fun. I think it'll be fun for those guys. Got his neighbor out there on a four wheeler just driving along <laughs> the target, trying to hit something in the driveway. I yeah. bet his neighbor would. Oh, his <laughs> neighbor Absolutely. definitely would. Oh yeah, <laughs> his neighbor's already shovel his job. Yeah. His here. neighbors are on board. <laughs> now that's awesome, and uh, just just seeing that the the Pro Bowl games will be flag football. Yep, I think that raises a question for me, and I asked PA this question. Uh, earlier this year, I think Tatum was on the show. It was our live podcast of, of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. And Tyreek Hill, earlier this year, when it was announced that it would be flag football, he said, well, since it's flag football, why not put the Pro Bowl at the middle of the year like the NBA does? True. 
Is that a valid point or no? Uh, no, because you need the whole season. NBA okay. can do it because they have 40 games to go off of. Yeah. Like 40, what, 50? They've already played 50-something, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, and so they did they already have the, they haven't had the NBA Remember, All-Star game. usually Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah, So and they'll be, they'll be like 60 games in, and then they'll do the All-Star game, and then they'll have 22 more games. So it's a little bit different. In NFL, like eight games I don't think is enough to decide who is – the deal. I think before the Super Bowl is fine. I think like if you're not going to do it, you might as well do it after the Super Bowl. To me, the the Pro Bowl side of it before was you had people that would go to the Super Bowl and be like, eh, I still don't want to go to the Pro Bowl. I just played last week. Right. So they're like, well, if those guys aren't going to be part of this roster, then we're just going to turn around and do it during this bye week, essentially, to right. get everyone healthy. Um, and for me, the, the Pro Bowl is weird. I, I, I listened to the argument a little bit of saying treat it almost like just name everybody as an all pro Mm -hmm. and then whoever you want to have participate in these like specific events, just invite them and give them a bonus of, you know, getting there, getting the exposure. I'm sure there'd be some sort of financial compensation, but yeah, usually it was winners got 30 grand or winners got 60, 50 and losers got 30 or 20. 20, Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in there. And, And so, so for me, I just look at it as name your roster of who are the pro bowl players. Like you're an all pro and then for everybody else, you can either have those people come in if they don't want to do it, add a couple extra people like, you know, we do anyways to participate in these different pieces. And if they want a free weekend in Las Vegas at a hotel and bring the family and do your thing, you know, that that would be a, a solution in order for it to not feel like it's just like, well, and you're added and you're yeah. added as this stuff goes along. Because it's kind of like the the quarterbacks are playing hot potato in the AFC. It's just right. like, you know, you you take it, you take it like Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a Pro Bowler this year. The the first question that came up, first question that came in mind for me is like, is he representing the Raiders? Like I thought he wasn't on the team anymore. Like right. th- that that is baffling to me. The crazy part on that is just the drama of it. Derek Carr <laughs> having to go back to Las Vegas to yeah. play for this kind of stuff, and even right. he made a comment social media wise of like, uh, I guess I'm back. back. He's yeah. just yeah. Wearing, <laughs> well, he just wears Fresno jersey, right? Like, nice. Fresno State Bulldog. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not a Raiders quarterback. Well, uh, I'm going to end it with this. Um, The Super Bowl this year, Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Not only will this year's Super Bowl feature two black quarterbacks for the first time in NFL history, which Mm -hmm. is a phenomenal, phenomenal feat, uh, but Mahomes versus Hurts, that matchup will also combine to form the youngest quarterback duo to ever face off in the Super Bowl. Reading that as an African-American, I'm proud to to see that. I I saw uh, Doug Williams... um, Talking, I think it was uh, Good Morning America just talking about that feat. Uh, but I, I also feel like the NFL is continuing to get younger and younger and younger each year. And I think that's uh, exciting to see. Um, but as a Vikings fan, it's, it's, it's the question that comes up is like, okay, what are we missing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, defensively, yeah, you, you're going to bring in a new defensive coordinator. You're going to have uh, other things that, you know, kind of shake out this offseason free agency-wise and draft-wise. But what else are we missing? Oh, so, I mean, honestly, I think it's defense. I think it's 100% defense and then offensive, like interior offensive linemen. Um, when you look at the first round, you got John Michael Schmidt out of Minnesota. I don't I don't think he will be a top 20 pick, so he could be there for the Vikings. That's, I mean, he's he's a Minnesota kid. He's played, he, I mean, he's the best interior lineman in college football, um, in my opinion, uh, as far as the other voters said as well. But um, when you look at grade-wise, he's the top of everybody's board. So who knows how early somebody wants an interior lineman. But I think that could be an easy if you, if you think Garrett Bradbury is not your guy or you think Garrett Bradbury can play guard, um, you can get John Michael Schmidt at center who can play center and guard. He's done both. And so now you bring in a kid who's done both, has the size, can move, ran the zone run scheme with one of the best uh, college running backs in college football in Mo Ibram. 
Um, and so I think that's where you start. I think your tackles are fine. Uh, I think Ezra Cleveland is fine. I think you need to find one of those pieces to that puzzle in there in that middle. And, um, and, and that could be a good look for you. And then offensively, I think they're good. It's just finding maybe, you know, depending on contract-wise, Adam Thielen, so on and so forth, or Dalvin Cook, you know, you just got to figure out which direction you're going to go. If you're going to if you're going to Tom Brady this thing and be the, the lowest run total team in the NFL, then just do it. Uh, don't have a 50 million dollar running back. But if you're like, hey, we're going to run the ball like the 49ers, we're still going to throw to Debo Samuel like, you know, and though and, and George Kittle, then do that. Like have Derek or Derek Carr, have Dalvin Cook, um, Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson, you know, have that three headed monster. But then again, that leaves Adam Thielen as an odd man out. KJ Osborne, you probably can tenure him uh, and offer him a sheet to just keep him for another year or two and decide there. But can you get running, you know, can you get Chris McCaffrey somewhat numbers out of Alexander Madison? That's the other question. So I'd say I don't think anything's missing. I just think it's, it's figuring that out. Now, cornerback, of course, depth. The cornerback depth would have been there if you look at all the injuries to the DBs this year Cam Dantzler, Caleb Evans. Um, you know, it was it was to the point where we were like, man, Caleb Evans, that's a great because I remember when we did the draft show this year, I said that I was like, that's a great acquisition for depth. He's six four. He reminds me of a long, uh, tall guy that can, you know, he he gets beat. He has the arms to knock it down. Everybody's like, oh yeah, maybe he'll come in and compete. Then he has to start, and then he gets hurt, and we're like, oh, bring Caleb yeah. Evans back. Like, where's you know? So that's where it got to the point where Cam Dancer was hurt, Caleb Evans was hurt, Duke Shelley became a guy where I'm like, who is Duke? Like, literally people on the stat sheet like, who is Duke Shelley? Like, where is he at? <laughs> and so I think that's what's missing. And then back to your point about quarterback, though, um, the, the two-black quarterback conversation has been a thing. I mean, I remember when I played, uh, black quarterbacks were not considered, like, high value. It was always like, oh, well, there's Donovan McNabb, there's Michael Vick, but then he had the dog fighting, and oh, there's Donovan McNabb, but he's out of shape and he wants to party, and you know, it was always something. You know, it was never just he's a good quarterback. It was always like, oh, well, you know, is he immature? Is he this? Like, if we're gonna give him all this money, but you know, even Kyler Murray, you know, like, uh, like what white quarterback that doesn't play video games? But then you don't put a clause in their quarter in their in, unless he's just and I don't know, maybe he's ridiculous with the games. But, like, there's other quarterbacks that play games and game, but you don't put that in their contract to say, hey, man, you, you got to put the game down and study at least whatever time. You're like, what? Like, don't give me the money then. If you really think that I'm spending more time gaming, and maybe he is, uh, than studying, then don't put it. But that's, that's the stigma that black quarterbacks always got. They, they're not good enough. They're not smart enough. Warren Moon, you know, had to go to Canada. Tony Dungy became a DB. Um, a lot of those guys, you look back, I mean, you put Tony Dungy in today's NFL with the way he ran – he would be an NFL quarterback, you know, like he would truly be looked at. He was at University of Minnesota, really good quarterback in Minnesota, run and pass, athlete clearly because he played safety in the NFL. Like you're not, you're not a good, you're not good if you can't just move and say, okay, I'm gonna be an NFL safety now from quarterback. So he had that. Uh, T. Martin out of you know Tennessee, Tennessee same thing. Like uh, I don't really know if he had, you know, I mean that's that's the that's the question mark. They always they never got a chance to be backups. Like Jamarcus Russell never got a chance to ever be a backup. It was just like, well, you're either our starter or you're a bust. You know, where you look at guys like uh, Chase Daniel, Ryan Leaf. <laughs> yeah, now that was a bad one. Uh, it, he has a wholly different life. Yeah. But you know, you look at Chase Daniel. He continues to just be backup after backup after backup because he's a good locker room guy. He's a good study guy. Uh, Jim Sorge, played behind Peyton Manning for years. Never played though. But hey, he's a good locker room guy. A lot of black quarterbacks don't get that. They don't consider them good, smart locker room guys. They just always – and so now a guy like Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, they're starting to show people like, hey, look, give me the keys to the castle. 
you know, uh, Justin Fields. I mean, with look the, at with Gino the Bears. Smith. He's right. he was a backup that resurgent. Yeah, you know? and that's mm-hmm. the thing. That's that's guys like that are are good. So you know, for 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 it to just finally be in the first ever, like one, you got to win. So it's not like something you can hand black guys. Like okay, here, let's go to the Super Bowl with you. Right. But the fact that more teams aren't giving some of these quarterbacks chances because when it's like between these two, uh, well, let's go with this guy and see what happens. And so, you know, I, I, I do know like Jalen Hurts is literally putting the world on notice. Like every coach now is like, oh, wait a minute. Like, can I can I get an RPO quarterback? You know, C.J. Stroud, remember C.J. Stroud? Everybody's like, uh, I don't know. Like just, Justin Fields, I don't know. And now Jalen Hurts, the Bears are like, oh, wait, we that's can all win. we got to do? Yeah. And I guarantee the Bears will look like the Eagles next year. Not defensively, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is they don't have the offensive line that Philly's got. Right. Too. Correct, and that's going to be. That's, that's right. what I'm saying. Like when they're when they're looking at with their high value offseason for Matt Eberflus, and he kind of he kind of alluded to it because they were saying like, are you going to draft C.J. Stroud? Or are you going to stick with Justin Fields? And he, I think I forgot the words he used, but he kind of said like, we need to build around what's going to help us win. And they and have I'm, the scratch to do it. That's the thing. They have the draft cap and the scratch to do it. Yeah, yeah, they got like $100 million, It was $224 million, I think, is the salary cap uh, coming up. Yeah, so yeah they, They're like $35 million ahead of anybody else that's even close Correct. to them as far as space. So if they want, they can buy a team. But that gets weird down the road, too, when you're trying to build a, a, behind a younger guy like Fields. But still. Yeah, and that, they haven't. You know, he's on his first contract. Yeah. Yep. So, but no, I, I think for the Bears, that $100 million, if I'm them, I'm going out and trying to find the best offensive lineman, like two. You don't need five, two. Get one in the draft, anchors. maybe. Get some anchors, get one in the draft. Uh, find you a running back. So if that's your guy, then keep him. If not, and then you got to find him a man. You got to find him a receiver. You look at Devontae Adams, probably he's not happy, depending on what happens, who becomes his quarterback. Uh, uh, Cardinals receiver, Hopkins, he wants to D-hop, leave. Yeah. So that could be a Bears receiver there. So I think that's the key for them. But I, I, I'm, I'm happy for – for we know Mahomes is already good. Yeah. I'm happy for Jalen Hurts because everybody said the RPO and the running, that's, that's not sustainable. It is. It's sustainable as long as you are a coach that's willing to take what you have and then make your offense around it. Don't have your offense. I hate coaches that have an offense and then say, run my offense. That, like if they're not good at it, what's the – like uh, Glenn Mason always said this. He said uh, Woody Hayes, which is a really old coach. Woody Hayes, uh, there's a story Glenn Mason told on my show. He said uh, – he told a kid – and there's a, and you probably find the footage. He said well, – this like back when – like the, I don't know if you've seen the video. Woody Hayes chokes the guy on the sideline. Yes. You can't do that anymore. No. Uh, but <laughs> he was talking about that and how scary Woody Hayes was because it's like, man, he would choke us. Like, which I'm like, uh, you can't do that anymore. But back then you could and get away with it. And like, you can choke up a coach like Tatum's on the sideline with a microphone. He can run by and choke her up. Like, get out the way. Get out my way. Like, I'm the head coach. I do what I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) You go viral, too. (laughs) Tatum Everett punches Kevin O'Connor in the face. Super scrappy. Um, But, you know, he told the story of he told a player like, I don't know, two, five times. But he said, I told him 100 times, you know. Back up, keep backing up, keep backing up. And the player didn't do it. So in the game, play happens, guy doesn't back up, ball goes over his head. And he goes to Woody Hayes, he's like, yeah, I told him, coach, I told him a thousand times. Like, in the meeting, we told him, we told him on film. Like, when you see this, you got to get out of there. He's like, you told him how many times? Like, a thousand times, coach. Like, he just doesn't listen. He's like, you're a terrible uh, teacher. Like, he's like, if you can tell a player a thousand times and he still can't get it right, you're horrible at your job. And he's like, it's not for well, that. Well, some players can't get right. Like you have, you have the players that you call but them Wo- can't get right. But Woody Hayes believed that if you are not willing to figure out what can get him right, mm. like, so he might be dyslexic. He might uh, be a visual learner. He might be a color learner. 
Like I do that with my daughter's second grade basketball team, which is the funniest thing ever. But I've figured out for them, it's shapes. So to teach them a crossover, I'm like, make a V because they know letters. I'm like, oh, when we're when we're passing in a square in our defense, I'm like, how do you make a square? And they'll all line up to get in a square. I'm like, now let's make a triangle. And they get into a triangle. And then they pass the ball in a triangle. And I'm like, yeah, one girl here, two girls down at the bottom. Make a triangle. So do you yell shapes from the sidelines? I do. Nice. Triangle. I do. Nice. Circle. I do. You just and gave so... up your secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we have our first game on the 11th. Uh-oh. I don't know what schools are coming. We have two games against two schools. But my daughter, she's the tallest second grader. I know the other coach. So for the other team. Yeah. <laughs> she's the tallest second grader. So it's been fun to watch her just like, because she can grab rebounds and she puts it back up. I mean, second graders, though. Nobody can really shoot and do anything. But like watching them, it's like shapes. And so I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you got to figure out. Because there's one guy trying to teach these girls how to do stuff. I'm like, you got to. So we're teaching them a crossover. So I'm like, dribble to the cone and make a V. And they were all doing it. Like once they realized like, oh, make a V. Boom. And they were going like, and I'm like, these are second graders. But we figured out how to teach them. And that's where I think good coaches come in, which I think Kevin O'Connell is. I think a lot of these head coaches now in the NFL realize if I get a guy in the draft um, and and barring they're athletically enough, good enough to do it, I'm going to learn how to teach this guy and create an offense around C.J. Stroud or around, uh, what's the kid, Bryce Young from Alabama. Um, and, and it's not just black quarterbacks, you know, all quarterbacks. I think Mitchell Trubisky and some of these guys that we assume, uh, they can't, they go places like Josh, um, uh, what's the guy's name? No, uh, Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. They wrote him off. Miami he goes to Tennessee and then yeah. Tennessee's like, hey, let's just run the ball, play action, and then you roll out. You're a really good rollout quarterback. And then he killed it, and then they traded A.J. Brown, and he was pissed. But that's that's where a guy like Vrabel's like, is he bad or are, we just, are they using him wrong? And Miami was trying to make him Dan Marino. It's all about scheme. He's not Dan Marino. He can't throw the ball 40 times. You need to play action. You need to roll. You need to run the ball. And that's why then Tannehill became like, oh, wow, this Tannehill kid's Tana good. Tannehill is that thrill. what they called him? Yeah. Tana Thrill? Yeah. How long did that nickname last? I don't know. Like when it was an exciting season. They were, they were once, Yeah, they were one season for like three or four years in a row. They were so. pretty yeah. good. They were, yeah. They were pretty yeah. good. Derrick Henry ran I watched them lose. Yeah, I watched them lose Tana against thrill. the Chiefs. Chiefs, man. Uh, uh, to your point about the draft, though, I, I saw this tweet from Lewis Riddick I thought was really interesting, so I just Googled it and looked it up. But um, speaking of getting guys on the you know starters in the mm-hmm. draft, the 2022 draft class for the Chiefs, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Five of them are starters. Wow. Seventh rounder, their last pick was Pacheco. You look at that and you're like, okay, so they they have all this, you know, they're getting mm-hmm. their they're getting things from their their draft class. The second rounder who's not a starter, Sky Moore, who's their punt returner. Yep. So that's big. And then they have 12 selections in the 2023 draft. Wow. I'm just thinking about Trent McDuffie in that draft. I was gonna too, say. Like George Karloftis. Yeah. Like both of those guys made plays for the Chiefs. So the the draft you, you can win through the draft. We've seen teams do it, and the the Kansas City Chiefs is another team that's proven that you can do it that way. That's the ultimate though, is to get quality veterans mixing with young talent, and that's how you get a roster financially that can sustain. And so you're just kind of replacing yeah. the old with the new. They're coming in, they're making plays, and and um, you know when you have tentpole anchors like you do with the Mahomes at a you know at the most important position there you don't have to year after year keep using top tier draft capital to try to fix that position a place like the Chiefs it just feels like they're set up for sustained growth forever so we'll see how it goes we don't have seven draft picks this year but you we know, have four, four yet but you can turn four into six you just gotta make some trades maybe yeah. trade some players and get some picks there you like go it's gonna it's gonna he's gonna be wheeling and dealing it's gonna happen I mean but even the trip McDuffie I know, McDuffie, I know we broke that down last year in the draft thing and I kind of said I liked him you know I, I thought you know his size his speed um 
but the Vikings traded back. You know that that's that's always a question mark. It's like when you trade back, what do you get out of it? Is it worth it? Well, I and, think Karloftis was available too, right? But it's it's all about the uh, and again he's but he's a DN. Does he fit in a three four? He doesn't because we're trying to figure out if Danil was coming back. Correct. And then we signed Zadarius, so it was like, ah, oh, do we really need a uh, another pass rusher if we right. have you know two guys that can rush the passer? We need cornerbacks. Never can have too many pass Never. rushers. The Eagles have shown us that. That is very true. Very true. It's going to be a fun Super Bowl, but I'm sure we'll talk more about that next week during Super Bowl week. But, Ryan, always a pleasure having you on. Um, the Vikings, it's about to be go time for them this yeah. week. Quasio Dofo Menta, Kevin O'Connell, they're down in Alabama right now at the Senior Bowl. So uh, they're doing their due diligence, making sure that they have the right Vikings on the roster next year via draft. So there will be a lot of talk about that as we continue to move forward with this 2023 offseason. For Jay Nelson, Tatum Everett, Ron Johnson, my name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you guys again for tuning into another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Ooh.